Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tom and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. In this episode, pastis de nata, egg custard tarts. Are they Portuguese in origin or were they first invented elsewhere? Why the Portuguese egg tart is the culinary symbol of Macau and the surprising story behind how it got there. Plus, where can you eat the tastiest egg tarts? After a lot of testing, we think we've found them. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, we are back and we are talking about, well, one of my favorite little dessert pieces of nom-nom times. Are you saying that you like desserts now? I know. Usually it's something I skip. It's not my favorite thing, but I will always make time for egg tarts. Yeah, we are talking about egg custard tarts. One of the most famous types of egg tarts in the world is the pastis de nada, the Portuguese egg tart which features a sweet egg custard in a puff pastry shell. But although it may be the most famous type of egg custard tart, was it the original egg custard tart? That's what we're going to be asking in this episode. Ooh, I can't wait. Also in this episode, we'll be talking about how that Portuguese egg tart became so popular, as well as looking at many other egg tarts from around the world. There's loads. Yeah, I have to say, um, I do love the Portuguese ones, but they're not my favorite. <gasps> oh, oh, the well, drama. Don't reveal your favorite yet. Let's nope. leave that till a bit later on. But yes, this is one of our um, dish episodes rather than a what to eat in or travel stories. We are talking about the histories of a specific dish. And yeah. yes, it, it is the custard egg tart. Of course, we did recently do our what to eat in Lisbon episode. So if you are looking for tips on what to eat in Portugal, go have a listen to the Lisbon one because it is also relevant for Lisbon and most of Portugal as well. So give that one a try. Yes. And of course, egg tarts are one thing that you can definitely eat in Lisbon and everywhere in Portugal. They are everywhere. Every everywhere. cafe seems to have them. All in the pastelarias. You can't go without it. That's it. The pastelaria, the pastry shop, they always have the egg tarts. All right. First, a very quick and simple definition. What is an egg tart? So. Because, of course, there are things that maybe don't fit the definition. It's always good to define right at the start. Yeah, definitely. So, it has to have a sweet cooked custard made with egg in the middle. And it has to have some sort of pastry shell. Yeah. That's it. doesn't have to be puff pastry, but it has to be that egg custard. Sweet, not savory, in pastry shell. Yeah. And it's got to be like in the tart form. Like you can't just have like a custard slice. Or is that the same thing? Um. Well, this is something we might get onto. But uh, I would say a custard slice is not a custard tart. No, that's what I would think. But is a custard pie a custard tart? Ooh. Now, this is something we're going to be... Look, it's because it's a, you know, just a slightly bigger custard tart. Exactly. So, I don't know. This is something we're going to be talking about. Also, before we get started, quick reminder, please subscribe to this podcast. That helps us let platforms know that people are listening. The more people that subscribe and the more episodes you download, the better that gets us up the ranks. Also, recommend us to a friend. Yeah. If you've got a foodie friend out there that is heading off on a vacation and we've done an episode on that place, or if they just really love food and are fascinated about the histories, just uh, send them a link. Easy. 
Yeah, because we put lots and lots of hours into actually digging really deep into some of these topics. So it's not just a, I looked at Wikipedia and we're reading it out. I think I used at least 15 or 16 different website pages, all with different stories about different parts of this story and crazy little mini references. And if I do look at Wikipedia, I actually go and read the little citation marks yep. that are listed at the bottom. So We also quite often look up uh, articles in other languages and translate them to see what the local people have been writing about the particular dish as well. Exactly. So this is not just a 20-minute we're reading off Wikipedia live. This is, I've done lots of detailed notes. There'll be a full article uh, at foodfuntravel.com slash egg tarts podcast. Because you can't have just one. Exactly. It's all about the multiple egg tarts, not the singular egg tart. All right. So yeah, let's start this off with the Portuguese egg tart because it's the most famous, the mm-hmm. pastis de nata. Where was it created? Well, Monkland. Monkland, the land of the monkeys uh, in Belém. And I think I'm actually pronouncing that wrong. It's spelt Belém for an English person, but I feel like other people have said it to us pronounce it slightly differently. I'm not sure. I'm sorry about that, but it's a it's a suburb of Lisbon basically. Whether it was definitely in Belém, well, we're just going to have a quick look at that as well. But that is where people claim the first one is from. And that's where people flock to today to have the famous Belém egg tarts as well. Yes, they do. Tourists galore. So the exact invention date of the very first pastis de nada is unclear, though most sources believe it was being made from at least 300 years ago, so sometime after 1700. That's what people seem the consensus is. There doesn't seem to be an exact written day where the monks first made egg tarts, mm-hmm. so a little bit difficult to say. So, yes, it was in the monasteries of Portugal, and at that time they were using egg white, a lot of egg white, to starch clothes during the laundry process. What? Weird as that may sound. So they had this huge supply of leftover egg yolks because they used so much egg white for laundry. No way! Yep. How silly is that? I feel like so bad that we're wasting eggs on starch when you could just have floppy clothes. Just have floppy clothes. And then have omelettes. Exactly. (laughs) But fortunately for us, this means they invented the egg tart. Yeah, along with the growing availability of sugar from the New World, which was coming straight into Lisbon from their colonies like Brazil, um, egg custard tarts were the perfect way to use up those egg yolks, mixing them up with a little bit of sugar. So... Monks with a little bit of time on their hands, obviously, because apart from doing laundry, they just sit around silently reflecting on life. They set about creating a recipe. They're like, let's do something with these egg yolks. Uh, it's unclear at this time in like the early 1700s whether they were selling them or whether they were just eating them themselves. There's no sort of definite record. I don't know I how find. fat were monks back in those days in Portugal. I mean, if they were fatty, fatty, fat fats, they were keeping them all for themselves. Back in the day, monks were famous for, uh, you know, Being living well, rotund. having lots of alcohol, wine or beer made in monasteries and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, they basically, they were the, uh, the testing ground for new products because they had so much free time, whereas everyone else had to work. Yeah. <laughs> It's like being entrepreneurs today. We get a bit of free time and you go out and try some new ideas. They were like the, uh, the medieval entrepreneurs. Yeah, so we're guessing they probably kept it to themselves for quite a bit. Quite possibly. 
So some sources claim that this practice of making egg tarts had become popular in many different monasteries, not necessarily one specific one. Other sources are very clear that the epicenter of the original Pastithanata is Geronimo's monastery in Belém, very close to yep. Lisbon. Which so- is lovely. Like if even if you're not going to eat the egg tarts, you should go see the monastery because it's actually really pretty. Yeah, really nice old building, really well preserved. But it was in 1820, after the liberal revolution happened in Portugal, that government funding for monasteries was being closed down. That's it. They're like, we're not paying for the church anymore out of government funds. If you want to have church stuff going on, you can pay for that yourself. So many convents and monasteries were going to close. And by 1834, pretty much all of them were forcibly shut down. They're like, we're, we're done with this. I don't know exactly why they went... You can't even stay open if you've got your own money, but apparently they actually went, no, that's it. You're not going to do monk stuff anymore. Uh, There's been ups and downs of the whole religious thing throughout Portugal and whatnot. So I guess it was just one of those periods of like, religion? Yeah. 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 We don't don't want these monasteries. You guys are just lazing around inventing things rather than working. Like wine and stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The things we enjoy every day. They already had wine, so they're like, we don't need them to invent new things. We've already got all the best stuff, egg tarts (laughs) and wine. That's fine. So it's at some point between 1820 and 1834 that monks from Geronimo's monastery definitely began to actually sell the egg tarts because they were trying to make money to not have the monastery close. Yeah. So like, we don't have funding anymore. We haven't got any like money to make food or eat food or anything. Yeah, they're having a school bake-off sort of thing. Yeah, like, like you're trying to raise do? money for your, you know, for the school musical. The monks were trying to raise money for their starchy clothes. <laughs> I think a, a huge amount of monks in a school musical would be quite entertaining. I mean, maybe they were trying to put on JC Superstar that year, and they couldn't afford. Could be, it, you know, the 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 props that they needed, and so they're like, "How do we do this?" And they're like, "Bake sale." I'm reckoning spam a lot. It feels more like. People in monks' clothing would be doing spam a lot. Spam a lot, yeah. All right. Yeah, I reckon that would work more. JC Superstar, it feels like only a couple of people could really be in monks' clothing, whereas spam a lot, you could get away with just monks wearing some armor or not wearing <laughs> armor, depending on which character they were. Fair enough. So what happened next after they started selling the egg tarts seems to be a little contentious. Apparently, there was a sugar refinery just over the road from the monastery, and there was a small general store attached to it. So yeah, lots of New World sugar coming in and they were refining it right there in Belém. Some sources say that the monks kept making the egg tarts and they would sell them in the general store up until like the monastery was closed or maybe even after the monastery was closed, like they were working somewhere else and yeah. making egg tarts and selling them in that general store. Others claim that they sold the recipe to the owners of the sugar refinery who in 1837 opened the Fabrica de Pastis de Belém which is the bakery, which is still there today. That's mm-hmm. exactly where you can go. It's huge right now. Like it's, it's been extended and extended because they get so many customers. I think they can seat like over 400 people in there. It's, it's at that least big. that. Yeah. At least that. I mean, it was huge. Some sources actually even suggest that some of the monks went into business with the refinery in order to open the bakery. I think that's the story I heard. So, but yeah, all different sources seem to have a slightly different position on this. Did the monks sell it? Did they go like, I want 50% and I'm working with you and we'll put this bakery together. You know, forget doing the religion stuff. That's done now. Like, I don't need to be a monk anymore. I am now an egg tart baker. Could be. Maybe. So at this time in the 1830s, Belém was actually considered to be quite a long way from Lisbon because public transport wasn't quite as efficient as it is today. It's like two hours walk, something like that. It is, but it is a bit out. Yeah. But 
because it was so far away, there was actually like, it wasn't completely developed all the way from Lisbon to Belém like it is today. There's just housing all the way along. Yeah. But back then it would be like, you know, it's a bit more. No, it would have been a monastery in, a con- in the countryside. Yeah, sort of, but more of like in a Just, small town. Yeah, like on the outskirts on the of outskirts. Lisbon. So actually what was going on in the 1830s was they had steamships running along the River Tagus mm-hmm. and they would take day trippers along to the Torre de Belém, which is the Belém Tower just on the coast there, as well as to see Geronimo's monastery. So it was like it was already like a tourism attraction for weekenders coming out of Lisbon. Yeah, in the 1830s. I mean, they are stunning. They are both really like amazing tourist attractions even today. So, yeah, isn't it funny to think of tourism back then? Yep, just like, hey, let's go on a steamship and do a little ride down the river and go and see these attractions. Really crazy. So, obviously, the guys running the refinery and the monks and whoever it was who actually set up the bakery were like, well, if we put a pastry shop right next door to this and we're selling cheap little pastries for snacks, that is going to make a load of money. Yeah. Day trippers be hungry. Day trippers want a cheap little snack before they go home. So there you go. And, And that's pretty much what happened. And from the 1830s, they were already like an instant success. People just went, yep, love it. Going to keep eating these. Today, the egg tarts are made from exactly the same secret recipe that the monks provided back in 1834. It is the same recipe, and only three people in the modern-day factory that make these thousands and thousands of egg tarts a day actually still know the recipe. So eventually it will get passed on to someone else, but they don't just share it around with the whole staff. It's literally three people. It's like the KFC recipe. Yeah. It's just like passed down, passed down, and nobody actually knows what it is. And today they actually make over 20,000 pastisanada per day. That doesn't surprise me. When we were there, we saw the production line and there was a lot of egg tarts like just ready to go out to hungry hordes. And there was just people coming in and going out and coming in. Like They'd come in, line up, get a seat, sit down, eat the egg tart, get up, leave. Next people come, sit down, eat an egg tart, get up, leave. And then there's also like the takeaway line as well, which is yeah. really long. Like, yeah, crazy amounts of egg tarts going through that place every day. 20,000. Insane. But the question is, this is the original Portuguese egg tart, or at least that's what it's billed as. But are they the best egg tarts? No. So we... No. So we dropped in. We dropped in to find (laughs) out. We've got a clip right now. Don't don't ruin the end. Don't don't ruin the end of the story. I wonder what will happen. Listen in and find out. Well, we're at Pastiche de Belém in Belém, Lisbon, which is the original Portuguese egg tart bakery. It's still here, much expanded from when it was originally built, I believe. It is just room after room after room of little tables and lots of egg tarts. I think it seats over 400 people now. And I can tell you, we are here on a Monday afternoon and every one of those seats is pretty much taken up. Yep. So we did have to line up for a little bit to get a table, about five minutes. But it is much quicker to come in and wait for a table than it is to wait in the line for takeaway and then stand outside eating them. So it's actually a bit quicker to do it this way, which is why we did it. That's a local tip we were told and it seemed to have worked out pretty well. All right, we've got a couple of pastistanada right here. Mm. Super buttery, flaky crust. And crispy. The and crust very crispy. Is really crispy and almost like semi-translucent pastry. It's so um, so buttery. The custardy tart part is still very warm, so it's it's nice and fresh. But also, it's got like it's like not too hard, but not too 
gooey. It's, it's got a bit of gooiness to it, but it's not oozing everywhere. Yeah. And of course you meant to sprinkle cinnamon on top, which we did. So I would say this one is on the eggy side, as opposed to the vanilla-y side. It's got more of an egg flavor, and yeah, the uh, pastry is particularly crispy and flaky compared to other ones. So what do you think in comparison to some of the others that we've had? I don't think it's my favorite, but it's definitely top five, could be top three. There's so much butter in this crust, it's really dirty. Yep. So yeah, it's a good egg tart with some serious historic pedigree, of course, but no. It's not our favorite, as Meg said before, and gave away the I'm story sorry, and ruined the I'm sorry, I clip. ruined it. What is the best egg tart in Portugal, then? Or even the best egg tart in the world? More on that later on. I'm not going to reveal that now. It's far too early. You've got to no, listen to the no, end. No, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm keeping mum on that one. One more little aside before we move on to some more egg tart history. Is it pastis de nada or pastel de nada? I don't know. I've heard it say both ways. And I don't know. It did confuse me when we were there. Well, the phrase means... Simply creamy pastry, even though it's actually made from milk, egg yolk, and sugar, and not cream. But it is definitely creamy, so I get where they've gone with a sort of metaphorical description there. Yeah. But pastel de nada is the singular for one pastry. Pastis de nada is the plural for all the egg tarts. Oh. Lots of egg tarts, more than one egg tart. So I want one or I want more than one. That's pretty much it. Well, generally, the answer is more than one. So the answer is always pastis de nada. Yeah. Because we always want more than one. Because you never just want one. Exactly. Now, at the Fabrica in Belém, where they're making them, they're actually called pastis de Belém, just to make them even more confusing, because they're adding their own, like, these are our ones, they're branded. Of course. So, yeah. But imitations appeared all over the country since the 1830s. It's very easy to find, as we mentioned at the start of the episode. So Portuguese monasteries may have been making them, since 1700. Geronimo's may have been the first one, may not have been the first one, but was there some egg tart history going on before 1700? I'm sure you're going to tell us. I I might. (laughs) I might do that. First, I'm going to have a little sip of wine. All right. So yeah, it seems pretty likely that egg custard in a pastry case has definitely been being eaten long before 1700. That's interesting. So let's think about it. Like, so the places, so we know that it's most popular in Portugal and we know that it's really popular in Macau as well. Yeah. But was it, was take, was it taken there by the Portuguese or is it so like- Macau in China is an autonomous region of China. That's someone we're going to talk about as we go through this as well. They also, of course, have them in Hong Kong, but Hong I think Kong. that's just the Macau influence, I'm thinking. Well, th- I've, I've got all of the info Ooh. on this. Uh, but where else have we encountered the egg tarts around the world? Well, okay. Let's- we haven't been to Brazil, so I don't know. Yeah, people from Brazil have to tell us if you're rocking out the egg tarts in Brazil. I'm sure they do have them, right? Because they're You'd think so. There's a lot influenced. of Brazilian desserts and dishes that are in Portugal, so you can get them there. So I'm guessing it would be likewise in, in Brazil. Right. I, I just ate a lot of barbecue in Brazil. Well, yeah, you would. Yeah. So, the strongest candidates, and let's take a look at them, for creating the original egg tart long before 1700 are the English and the French. Oh, it does make sense. So, in England, they are called custard tarts, or egg custard tarts, not egg tarts. And the English word custard comes from the French word crustade, which is a type of pie rather than a type of custard. Because, apparently... The two were pretty much synonymous at one point. Well, what sort of so, pie was it? 
a custard pie. Oh, it was a custard pie. Allegedly, possibly, but there isn't an exact written record. This is just etymological argument of like, because the words come from this and that's what people were talking about. Yeah, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't necessarily mean anything at all. We know that. We know that from lots of episodes. The etymology doesn't always prove anything if there's no written evidence. So, what we do have, though, is the earliest written documentation for something very similar to the modern egg custard tart exists from 1399. Wowza. A full 301 years earlier, uh, where they were prepared for Henry IV's coronation banquet in England. Oh, so they weren't messing around. Like, they were well, like... but. That, so that was the first time it was made was for his coronation? Like- no, this was the first time it was written down. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, that's a big leap for the pastry chef to be like, hey, King Coronation, let's try something new. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Hope you don't put my head on the chopping block for this. <laughs> yep. Oh, the guillotine's out. Shit, he didn't like it. Uh, so these original pastries were called Ducetis or Ducetis, I think. Uh, Ducetes, maybe, Ducetes, because it would have come from a French word. And that exact word refers to a sweet dessert, and the recipe would have been made with egg, milk, and honey, because there would have been no sugar in 1399, because no. that comes from the New World. So they'd have used honey to sweeten it. The word Ducetes, probably, well, actually, not probably, apparently, according to all references, it derives from French from the word du, which means sweet. And, of course, that connection, as we said, doesn't prove that France was making these foods before England because lots and lots of words came over to England from France in 1066 when William the Conqueror came and took over England. So these words would have been used in popular language in England, too, for a couple of hundred years at least. Yeah. So that doesn't prove that there's any French connection to the dish, just that the words eventually described it that way. Apparently. So, yeah, bit of a tricky one. But as there's no actual written documentation in French to say they were making an egg custard pie or tart uh, there previous are. to 1399, once again, as has happened so many times in anything connected with England, English people write stuff down. <laughs> Romans and <laughs> English people they're good write stuff down. They just like their journaling, keep yep. their diaries for everybody to read hundreds they, of thousands of years later. They've managed to win so many of these food arguments purely on the fact that someone went, I, I'm going to write this down. <laughs> I, I'm not just going to think about it. I'm going to write it down. Write it down. And then when you ask me about it in however many years' time, I will have the evidence. Exactly. Never get into a messaging fight with a Brit. No. They'll keep everything. So, however, of course, there are a few differences. This is a, a very old custard tart. First of all, of course, the British version always, uh, or like traditionally, is short crust pastry, not puff pastry. But as we said at the start, I mean, in a pastry shell, that's, that's pretty much the same dish. I'm not going to no, it is. I think it's the same dish. And I think it does come down to which one you prefer. That, of course, is a big debate. But I think essentially it's the same dish. The English also use nutmeg rather than we didn't actually mention before, but you normally put a little bit of cinnamon on top. Oh, yeah. You sprinkle cinnamon or you can sprinkle some um, sugar and cinnamon. Powdered sugar. Yeah. yeah. That's the Portuguese way, but the English way they use nutmeg just because that was the spice that was more popular in England back then. Also, the British ones are cooked really slowly. So the custard goes firm without caramelizing on the top. And they're often served cold, which I don't like so much. But the biggest difference is that the original egg tarts in England from 1399 would have been more like pies. This is what I'm thinking. So it's going to be a firm pie. Like, so the thing about the 
pastis de nata is that if you get a good one, it's like a little bit gooey it's in wobbly. the middle and Let's it's a bit wobbly. wobbly. Yeah. yeah, a bit wobbly. So Sometimes I'm, gooey, but the definitely description wobbly. of the English version is definitely it's coming firm. across as a firm custard, which I eh, that doesn't sound. It's good. a firm, fully set custard, but that is also because it's always typically served cold. Whereas if yes. you served it warm, it actually would be a little bit wobbly. Yeah. Just the English, for some reason, liked it cold. It's already cold back, in England. Why do you want cold food as well? I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> they just leave it on the windowsill a little bit too long because they obviously didn't have refrigeration back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, in fact, these pies got so ridiculous and big. Uh, there's actually a written reference to the court of Queen Elizabeth I back in the 16th century. It's documented that her cooks made egg tarts so big that her court jesters could dance in them. Some sort of proto version of custard wrestling. That sounds like, yeah, I was going to say that. It sounds like a dirty mud wrestling thing. That Queen Elizabeth was kinky. No, custard wrestling, but I don't reckon they were wearing bikinis. No. And it would have been men. Uh, Liz was a classy lady. All right. She was known as the Virgin Queen, although whether that's Come true on, or not. Lizzie. But who knows? So when did the UK actually start making small individual egg tarts rather than these big pies? Don't really know. I mean, today they definitely have them. I had them when I was growing up. They were a thing. They're not massively popular. In fact, I read one article that said, like, we've lost English custard tarts because, like, Portuguese ones are now so popular in well, England. that's what I was thinking. In England, you're probably more likely to have a custard slice. Yeah, yeah, custard slice as well. Mm. But, uh, I mean, these little custard tarts, you can get them in small bakeries, but apparently even Greg's don't sell them anymore. Greg's are either selling the Portuguese one or they're not selling them at all. Okay. Um, I don't know. We don't uh, live for in those England of you now. Listening so. in in America, Greg's is like a regular pe- uh, bakery chain sort of thing. It's, uh, I don't they're know. The largest bakery in England that's like a nationwide chain. I don't even know what I'd refer to it as in in no, US. They, say pi- they sell pies and pastries and yeah. sandwiches. Yep. It's, a, it's a cheap lunch place that's very popular because it's super affordable. So, yeah, whoever invented the very first small egg custard tart could have been the Portuguese, could have been the English. Well, we don't know. But if we're going to base it off just off records, then it's the Portuguese. Yeah. Because the hundreds and hundreds of years of no one actually bothering to write down this particular fact that people were making smaller ones, or at least not that I could find. If someone can find it, please tweet us at Travel. Let us know if there's an actual reference to small custard tarts being made in the not UK. Not ones big enough for a jester to dance in. No. Just not a even, tad, touch, touch smaller than that. No. About the size that a small bird could dance in. Do a little jig. Like a chaffinch. You do, like those birds doing the dances <laughs> on our planet. That was the most amazing thing I've seen. If you haven't seen that documentary, go see it. It's still relevant. Go see that documentary and watch the birds do their mating dances. It's on Netflix. Yep. Very fun. All right. So you mentioned earlier a little bit of a spoiler that, of course, uh, Macau and Hong Kong are also quite famous for their egg tarts. Yeah, but I have no idea how they actually came to be there because they weren't Portuguese colonies. So, yes, since the UK and Portugal, egg tarts have definitely become a, a favourite all over the world. Portuguese egg tarts made their way to Japan for a long time ago as well, Ooh. apparently. Uh, I didn't realise that, but um, the ones there are definitely descended from the Portuguese visiting, apparently. Egg tarts are massively popular in Hong Kong and Macau, both Chinese territories. In Hong Kong, the short crust pastry version, like the English style, is used. And in Macau... The more popular style is the Portuguese puff pastry. 
And of course, Hong Kong used to be a British colony it territory. Did. So that's interesting. Macau used to be a Portuguese territory. Oh, Macau did. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. It okay. Was, uh, I'm going to talk about the exact history of that as we go on. So you'd assume, of course, straight away that it must have been those two nations, because it seems to fit pretty obviously, that popularized those egg tarts in those countries. But the story is not quite that simple. Oh, because otherwise we wouldn't have much of an episode, would we? No. <laughs> so let's start with egg tarts in Hong Kong. Uh, these might, because of course English egg tarts predated the uh, Portuguese ones, these might actually be my favourite egg tarts, just for a little spoiler there. Oh, you're already spoiling it. I I'm thought you were keeping it till the end. Not right till the end, but you know, I, I think they might be, but I don't know the ones in... It's one of those really hard things great. because the first egg tarts we ever had were in Hong Kong. We first discovered them in Hong Kong with the short cross pastry and they're just everywhere and they're delicious and there's some really famous places that are making it very, very well. Well, I'd had egg tarts in England growing up, so but they're cold and they're nowhere near as good. Exactly. But the number one trick to make a taste bud punching egg tart is the shortcrust pastry should be made with lard. Oh, That's the Hong Kong way. We're back to the old lardy lard times again. Yes. Pork what would fat. this podcast be without lard? Pork fat in pastry just makes it so pleasing. You just it's, so I, it's not something that I would think that you would put because it's it's like literally pork fat. And it's like, why would pork fat taste good in pastry? I don't know. Because it does. It's amazing. And this is a tra- using animal fat in pastry, especially lard in England was a tradition as well. No, I mean it's yeah, it's a common thing, but I don't know, I guess for like as from my personal childhood, and I know that this was happening well beyond my Come up and my my come my up, come up, up my, your upcomings. No, uh, before my arrival, <laughs> two quite different things. I know I said the wrong thing. Yeah, I can remember my dad saying that they used to have like lard sandwiches. They used to just get like pieces of bread and they would like just yeah. s- just spread lard yeah. on it like you would margarine or. Yeah, or butter. Or what's butter the, the or, or anything, fat. yeah. It's fat on bread. But I always just assumed it would have a little bit of that meaty flavor to it, and that's why people enjoyed it, which is why it sort of does my head in a little bit, thinking of lard going into a pastry, because it's I imagine it to taste a little porky, but it doesn't. It just tastes a little I, awesome. I mean, it sort of can do a little bit, but in the best possible way. Yeah. It's amazing. It just melts in your mouth and uh, just covers your whole mouth in this feeling of wonderful pork fat. It's, it's fantastic. So, uh, what You're drooling yeah, all over your keyboard. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about the history of this. It appears that the modern-day Hong Kong egg tart originated in the nearby mainland city of Guangzhou. Oh, in Guangzhou. Okay. Guangzhou. We've been there. Uh, also, a very big trading port, which had lots of European settlers and traders coming through regularly. Uh, it sits about the same distance from Macau and Hong Kong. So, there's like this big, like the sea goes in to China. And on either side of that, one side is Macau and the other side is Hong Kong, mm-hmm. pretty much. So, it's about the same distance apart from each. So, it could have influenced both quite easily. The one vital ingredient for a Portuguese-style egg tart is butter for the puff pastry. And this was not a very practical ingredient to get in Guangzhou. It was going to be very expensive. Butter was not something that the Chinese were using at the time. No. Well, I mean, even today, really. Yeah, it's not as... They don't like their dairy so much. No. So, I mean, this is why lard was substituted instead. It was purely a matter of necessity. They didn't really have butter. They couldn't afford to do it. Uh, because of this, it's unclear if the choice for short crust pastry was due to the British going, you should use short crust pastry, or 
because they went, well, we can't really make good puff pastry because we've only got lard. So, maybe, maybe, mm. apparently. I mean, I, you can make puff pastry with lard. I just don't think it, it goes to the same sort of crispy consistency. It's sort of a bit softer. Yeah, and that's like, not good. They make it in, well, they make it in Mallorca. They make a pastry with lard that goes very puffy, but it's very light and fluffy. It doesn't have any sort of crispy firmness that you need to make a full puff pastry rather than a puff. Yeah, they don't actually make tarts with that pastry. No. It's more of no, a... it's more like a croissant style. Yeah. So it's quite different. Um, but the Cantonese word for egg tarts is dan tart, which literally translates as egg tart. Not, it doesn't translate as cream pastry, which is what the Portuguese one translates at. So it actually, uh, it seems like it's, it's based off the word. Mm. They, they stole the word from the English one. Although we've got an egg custard tart. So, don't know, it's still a little bit like, well, they just came up with their own name, whatever. It's the same sort of thing. Also, the Hong Kong style, they have the smooth, non caramelized top on the egg tarts. It's just a That's clear, true. sort of yellow and not burnt at all. That's more like the British style. My main quarrel with Portugal is that a lot of places overcook the top and it, get, it gets a little burny. And I don't know if it's like a, if it's a preference. I think so. Some yeah. people like burnt, don't they? Yeah. And I just don't like it. But I don't like it undercooked either. No. I like crispy and browned, but not black edges. Yeah. There was a few we encountered, like we encountered it a lot where they were just like black and it was like, uh, is this batch right? But it, it seems to be a preference. Yeah. Some people like burnt stuff. My dad likes burnt toast. I don't know why. Uh, what? I'm scraping that black stuff off. The straight, second. That's going in the sink. Yeah. Because yeah, no one actually puts it straight in the bin because you know it's going to go all over the floor. <laughs> what is the thing when you're scraping off burnt toast? Everyone just does it straight in the sink. We'll just wash that down. It's easier than sweeping up the floor. So we don't have a definitive answer on this. But the, I mean, there's a bit of hearsay saying that all of the egg tarts in that region come from the Portuguese sailors going out there with egg tarts but it doesn't quite fit because the it's very much closer to the british style but also yeah but the english but also, used to use lard in pastry so egg tarts might have had lard in pastry in the 19th century in england maybe. I, I don't know. so they're actually making it there because egg tarts don't last a long they don't have a good shelf life to them well no they've got a lot of sugar in them so actually the shelf life is all right oh okay yeah, that sort of stops the eggs from going off. I mean, they're not going to last for weeks, but they last for a, a few days. It's better to have them fresh, though. Have them fresh. Yep. Freshly made every day. That's the best way to go. Straight out of the oven. So, let's continue with the Hong Kong story. So, by the 1930s, egg tarts had supposedly become a very common dessert in Guangzhou. And some sources claim that a restaurateur there actually was the first one to adapt the recipe. This is like the first sort of bit of specific evidence with dates. Um, that he made these egg tarts with lard in 1927, and it became a very typical dim sum dish, and it still is today. You can get little egg tarts with your dim sum. That's something that you can have. Yep. Uh, by the 1940s and 1950s, this adapted version with the lard had made its way to some very fancy cafes in Hong Kong, and eventually from there, it worked its way down to become a budget snack for the people, which is what it is today. You can pretty much get them all over the place. There's little shops that sell them. You can get them at cheap dim sum places, or you can get them in fancy cafes that. English, rich English people would have gone to back in the 1940s. Oh, yes. Oh, go for an egg tart and some cucumber sandwiches, yes. And a tea. Wouldn't mind a cup of tea and an egg tart. Jolly good. So, as well as the lard, another improvement was that, well, I consider it an improvement, is that the ones in Hong Kong are served warm rather than the silly English way of serving them cold. Yes. Was this the Portuguese influence? Who knows? Or maybe just someone ate it straight out of the oven and went, what, mm. are we, what are we chilling this for? Yeah, stop eating these cold. That's way better. 
All right, so yeah, the Portuguese influence. Let's take a look at egg tarts in Macau and find out how much Portuguese influence there was. So the first Portuguese settlement in Macau was actually established in 1557. Well done. And colonial rule by the Portuguese there began in 1849 and ended in 1999. So it's actually a bit of a similar story to Hong Kong. Because they were sort of mid-19th century where the British went, now this is ours. And then around late 90s is when Chris Patton was like, "Eh, I'm done now. Last governor out. China's taking it back. So very similar dates. So given these dates and given that Geronimo's monastery was first kicking these things out in around 1830s and colonial rule was starting 1849, Hazard a guess at the date where Portuguese egg tarts became popular in Macau for the first time. 1842. What were the dates again? Between 1849 and 1999. <laughs> uh, 1900. You would be quite wrong. The correct date is 1989. Oh. Yep. So it. Didn't Hong Kong were doing egg tarts. Hong Kong were already doing egg tarts in Guangzhou before that in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. There was no. You mean there's been no egg tarts in Macau until 1989? Yep. No way. Well, wait, there's more to this story than just that. Until 1989, the only egg tarts in Macau were the same dim sum style with short crust pastry as popularized in Guangzhou. So the Portuguese egg tart, which is now like a symbol of Of Macau Macau. cuisine today, was actually, until 1989, it was the British Chinese version of the egg tart. So I wonder what made them flip and change. Wow. Oh, here we go. I I got the knowledge. So Macau was still a Portuguese colony in 1989, and... Suddenly, it saw the arrival of the pastistanada rather than the English egg tart. And from which country do you reckon the person who came over to Macau and introduced the Portuguese egg tart, which country do you reckon they were from? Well, you would think Portugal, but that is obviously not the answer. If it was that easy, I would not have prompted you to guess. No. Can you give me a hint? There's Um, a lot of countries in the world. uh, They're not from China. That's your hint. It's not from China. It's not from Guangzhou or Hong Kong. England. England is the correct answer. Yay! Ding, ding, ding. Yes, the Portuguese pastis de nada was introduced to Macau in 1989 by a British pharmacist called Andrew Stowe. So, old mate Andrew had grown up with his British versions and at some point had done a trip to Portugal and went, you know what, I kind of like these better. And then he rocks up in Macau and goes, what are you guys all doing in the British version for? You know you're a Portuguese settlement. How about... Surprise! You're about 25% of the way there. The story is a little, uh, little more convoluted than that, but yes, you're, you're onto it almost. So, Andrew Stowe had actually been living in Macau since 1979, and in the 80s, he took a trip to Portugal and tasted the Pastias de Nada mm-hmm. for the very first time, and he loved it, and he was like, why don't we have these Portuguese traditional food in a Portuguese colony. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, so, yeah, after returning to Macau, he opened Lord Stowe's Bakery. Oh, and then he just gave himself the title he, of Lord. He did give himself the title. There's a story with this as well. <laughs> uh, he opened this in uh, Cologne, 
I could probably pronounce completely wrong, Kaloyan village in 1989. And with the intent, actually his intent was just to supply baked goods to supermarkets, including like the pastis Donata, who'd be like making all these things, sending off to supermarkets, and then they would be pushing them out and selling them. But because the Chinese community were already very familiar with the dim sum egg tart, the Portuguese version became an instant hit. And today, Lord Stowe's Bakery makes over 13,000 a day. Wowza! Mm-hmm. How's that for entrepreneurialism at its best? Exactly. So, as we already guessed, Lord Stowe is not a lord. The name arose because prior to getting his bakery business sorted out, Andrew had tried to open a health food store in the mid 80s. Way too early for China to want a health food store in the <laughs> 80s. Barely even want them now. It's just happening. Yep. Um, so that business really struggled. And so he had to take a second job as the night manager at the Green Parrot Disco at the Hyatt Regency Hotel. And uh, apparently as a boss, he lorded it over all of his employees and they all started calling him Lord Stowe. So he was a bit of a jerk. Uh, he's just pushing people around a bit. But um, he decided to keep the name. And uh, it was such a popular name. The copycat chains selling exactly the same pastis de nada started opening in Hong Kong, Singapore, and Taiwan with the same name and even using Andrew's photo illegally on the front of the shop to pretend they were selling his egg tarts. Because, <laughs> you know, it's China and copyright schmoppy, right? Uh, right? Exactly. So, Portuguese egg tarts, the culinary symbol of Macau, popularized by a British guy since only 1989. What? No, wow. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. All right, we're coming up to the end of the episode, so we have to talk about our favorite egg tarts and what we think makes them the best. We've got to like justify. So, yeah, finally, what is the best egg tart? Uh, well, first of all, we took a food tour with the company With Locals in Lisbon, and our guide Luciana introduced us to what is definitely, by my opinion, the best Portuguese style egg tart that we'd ever had. Yeah. So let's listen to that clip. Hi guys, I'm Luciana. We are here right now in front of Mantegaria, the best pastel de nata in Lisbon. It's so good, so famous, so delicious because it's very fresh. They bake every half hour, so it's always warm and crunchy. Mm, amazing. Yeah, I say that. I agree, very crunchy. The pastry is slightly thinner than that pastis de Belém. Yes. The egg custard is slightly more sweet with slightly more vanilla. Mm-hmm. Mm. So less eggy, which I like. I think I like the, the center better. But the, yeah, the pastry is slightly thinner. So it, it's falling apart a little bit because it's hot. We've got them a little hotter than when we had them at the other place. So the custard is still just a little bit runny, which is good. It's yeah. a good thing. Getting them super fresh out of the oven is the perfect way to do it. So I think the number one thing from tasting these at uh, Mantegueria in Lisbon like first, I think we've alluded to this during the episode, being warm. Being warm is so much better, but like yeah. properly warm, not just like mildly been out of the oven for two hours. But like, like they don't even have time to cool down. This place is so busy. It's just straight out the door. Uh, they, they, yeah. Unless you take it home and let it cool down, they don't have time to actually in, in the store. Yeah. And definitely also, I think the custard should not be too eggy because I am eating a dessert, not an omelet. Yeah. I, I want it to like have the consistency. I don't like it when it tastes like an undercooked omelette. Yeah. When I can actually really fully taste egg, yeah, I don't like it too eh. much. But when it comes to non-Portuguese style, so 
you know, we've got soft lardy pastry versus the perfect, crisp, salted puff pastry. Because apparently that little bit of extra salt is something that helps the puff pastry crust up a little better and go really crispy. But that versus a buttery, really sort of soft melt in the mouth. I'm a short crust girl. Short crust. It also holds it together a bit better. I feel that the flakiness of the puff pastry, like not only are you trying to keep the eggy bit together, you also have these flakes of of the pastry just going everywhere and you want to enjoy the whole thing. And I just, for me, I find it a little stressful eating it because I'm like, I need to keep this whole thing together and it's flaking all over the place. Where if you're just having it in the short crust pastry, sure, the short crust can fall apart if it hasn't been done very well. But if it holds it together and it's the, like, it's the security blanket of the, of the egg innards, then it's, uh, it's perfect. It's a really tough call. And obviously, there's the uh, contention over caramelized on top or smooth and yeah. perfectly solidified, but um, still I can't warm. make any judgment about egg tarts in Macau because I haven't had any there. I have not had, not had Lord Andrew's egg yeah. tarts, so I cannot make judgment. So, we're very much just going between- This will be caramelized on top. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we are going between the Hong Kong style and the Portugal style. Yeah. And- I find it very difficult to decide. It is a very tricky thing. As I said, I think I said before, is that, that we had the Hong Kong version first. So a lot of the times when you first discover, I know you said that you had it in England, but when you first discover that perfect egg tart and you're like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. And it's like. Yeah. I have to say, we also had a couple of, we, oh had, we had all different, the whole spectrum of different puff pastries and fillings through Portugal living there for five months. And I mean, there was one we had near the timeout market in Lisbon, not at the timeout market because that's crazy touristy and overpriced, but near the timeout market, there's some other places. And that one, instead of doing a, a really crispy puff pastry, they did a really soft, flaky puff pastry. And I really liked that as well. That I mean, was really good. It fell apart in my hands and it was like egg slopping everywhere out of this puff pastry. But I was like, damn, this is still really nice. It was very tasty, but it made me a little anxious eating it. <laughs> I can't eat this messy stuff. It makes me... Egg tart anxiety, oh, yeah. that's, your real, uh, that's the real reasons behind well, your decisions. Well, the thing is, when things get really messy like that, I tend to eat them quickly because I want to avoid making more mess. And then I realize I've eaten it and it's gone and then I'm sad. So, uh, it's really the anxiety is over me being sad through, you know, not being able to sit back and appreciate the meal or the dish because I've had to eat it too quickly because it was sloppy and messy. I have the same problem with burgers too. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Messy food. And, and eating food too fast is so sad. I know, it makes me, because I'm so it's sad so when it's sad. over. Yeah, when it's good. It's good food. All right, that's it. The story of egg tarts. There were some big surprises in there. I, there was a lot of stuff I did not know. Portuguese egg tarts in Macau were like the last ones to be introduced. And yeah. they're from an English guy. If you're ever needing to starch your clothing, egg whites. Yeah, lots of lessons learned in this episode. There we go. So, yeah, that is it. If you want to check out the show notes and see some of our recommendations for places to eat these, and, of course, also um, get some links to our Lisbon food article where we talk about lots of fantastic food to eat in Lisbon, do head to foodfuntravel.com slash egg tarts, because there is always a plural, egg tarts podcast, and you can just go straight to the notes for this episode and read all about it. Yeah. 
Also, feel free to hit the uh, search function and find our articles on Hong Kong as well, because there is some tasty food there. Yeah, there's some old articles from when we were back in Hong Kong a few years ago. Lots of cool stuff to eat in Hong Kong. Yeah, so that's it for this episode. Please do share the love. Tell friends about this podcast if you enjoy it. Of course, subscribe if you haven't done already. Do that right now. And if you want to leave a five-star review, that's the only type of review we like. Less than five-star, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. No. It doesn't help us become a podcasting success with that less than five stars. It makes us wonder, what, what did we do wrong? Yeah, what, were we not doing this right? I mean, are we Is it because we paused to refill our wine glasses? Is that, is that what the problem Yeah, was? but I cut the pauses out in the edit. No yeah. one's going to know that we paused to get more wine no, out of I the just, I just cupboard. don't know I mean, what we do. Hopefully, it's all five stars anyway, so it doesn't matter. All right, yeah. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Subliminal in your ears, five stars only. Rate us five stars. Rating of five stars. Thank you, five stars. All right, that's it for this episode. We'll see you again for another episode of The Dish very soon. Five stars. Five stars. (laughs) Bye. Five stars. Five stars. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.